Hey, good morning, One Hope. It's so, so good to be together again. Our family have been away up the wild coast, just below Port St. John's, if you know where that is, a long way away, but just achingly beautiful, just seeing the splendor of God on display every day, just an amazing time. But as we came back last weekend and we were able to join the online service for the first time, we didn't have much data out there and all of that, I was actually just overwhelmed. I was emotional just thinking with gratitude around the means that we have to still gather, even though it's a far cry from the ideal that I love. I love what we had last year at Mountain Breeze and coming back together and seeing people there's just nothing like it. But as I, as I watched my kids worship and literally stand in our lounge with their hands lifted to Jesus and worshiping and able to stop the sermon and explain to them little parts of what this meant or what that meant or ask them a question or answer their questions. I just thought, what a privilege, what a joy. And I know it's not God's ideal and the absolute plan for us, but man, what a, what a, thankful heart I think we need to bring to these online services. So let me encourage you if you're feeling sad or upset about being online again, God is still working. He's still God. He's still sovereign. None of this is caught him by surprise and he's on the move and he's at work in our lives, in our children's lives, in our friends' lives. So it's my great privilege again to preach. I'll actually be preaching for the next few weeks. Um, and I'm going to preach this morning out of Hebrews chapter 10, if you turn there with me. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to be speaking for the next five or six weeks around faith, around prayer, around cynicism. But really the overarching thought of this next series is going to be around prayer. And so that's where we're going to be basing ourselves. And then after that, I want to encourage you to already start reading the book of Ephesians. It's an incredible book and we're going to spend a number of weeks going through the book of Ephesians just systematically slowly thoughtfully and I encourage you to start reading that already but we're going to read this morning I want to speak on faith and I want to speak on prayer and how they link together and so let me give you just a, a tiny bit of the context to the book of Hebrews we don't know who wrote the book there's suggestions it might have been Paul or Barnabas there's also suggestions it might have been Priscilla but we're not 100% sure of the author but the, what you need to know about this book is that it's written to Jewish Christians who are seriously second-guessing their faith. Have you ever second-guessed a major decision that you made in your life? Maybe you started a business just before COVID. Maybe you took your family on, 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 a, on a certain direction with a decision that you made and somewhere six months in, a year in, you begin to seriously question the decision that you've made and whether you've made a mistake. Now, the driver for these Jewish Christians, the, the reason or the root of their questioning around the second guessing their faith is that they're facing incredible pressure. They're facing incredible persecution and it's left them having second thoughts. And I, I can sympathize with that. I would seriously have second thoughts as well, looking at how, what they faced and how they had to face these things as they came to know Jesus Christ. But I call Hebrews is the better than book. The better than. That's the, the way that I remember what it's about and just the, the big overarching picture of Hebrews. And really what the author is doing is taking what the Jewish people would have seen as valuable, so taking what they would have seen as, as powerful and showing how Jesus is 
better than, or you could call it the greater than book. Jesus is greater than. And so it shows how Jesus is greater than the angels, how Jesus is greater than Moses, how Jesus is greater than than the law, this precious thing to Jewish people, how Jesus is greater than the Old Testament priests and how he's the high priest, the new high priest priest and then when we get to chapter 10 and chapter 11 there's there's a little bit of a shift and the author begins to appeal to the to the hebrews own experiences of god and how he's proven himself to be greater than to be better than anything that they've known and then hebrews chapter 11 the very famous text on faith he begins to point at men and women christian men and women or or jewish men and women through history who have proven their faith as holding on to the promises of god and he's saying look at them look at the example that they set when i think about faith one of the families in our midst that rushes to mind is the sheffermans ryan and nats and their kids and so whenever i meet with ryan he always talks in such a faith-filled way and they they want more faith in their lives and they're trusting god for more and they've gone through some serious stuff in the last while and still i see this optimistic clinging this this faithful hope-filled way of doing life and so i thought what better way to start this morning than to ask them to read the text that we're going to use so here they are think back on those early days when you first learned about christ remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go line by line through the text that the Shefferman family just read for us. And then I'm going to unpick it a little bit. And then at the end, I want to just bring a little bit of application and we'll close. So let's read. Think back. Now, remember that he's talking about their own lives. This is their context. This is their history. He's saying, I want you to think back on what you've experienced, what's gone on in your life. And he says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful or full of faith, faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten 
and sometimes you helped others who were suffering with the same thing. Now, I, I just want us to stop for a moment and press this into our context, into our lives. And imagine that a, a terrible persecution broke out against those who followed the way of Jesus in Stellenbosch. Imagine that you were watching people that you loved and sometimes happening to you as well, being exposed to public ridicule, being exposed to, to beatings. Imagine trying to explain to your children why this Christian brother or sister who had just rocked up on your doorstep was bleeding and broken and beaten as you tried to help them, the ones who were suffering the same things and that helps us get something of the picture that that the author is appealing to saying remember when you first came to Christ remember what it was like you suffered verse 34 along with those who were thrown into jail and when all you owned was taken from you your bank account your house the security for the children the retirement fund when all you had was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. How? How can that be true? And the author carries on writing to the Hebrew Christians and says, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. And in that moment we see that these Hebrew Christians had a view of eternity, had a faith in the promises of God that enabled them to go through this deep suffering, not just themselves personally. Sometimes it's even harder to watch others suffer, to watch injustice happen to other people can be just as hard. But these people were able, these Hebrew Christians were able to go through this, able to lose everything that they owned. And this verse gives us a beautiful clue into how how today we do that. One of the ways that we do that is to hold eternity as precious, to hold the better things. Remember Hebrews is the book of, of greater than, of better than, to hold the better than things waiting for us that will last forever. In other words, friends, this, this so fills me with hope and with joy and with, with encouragement. We have hope in something beyond the here and the now. As Kate and I are, are journeying on our family journey, and as we go through year and year, we keep on remarking to one another how much more broken and, and hard and difficult the world is than what we ever imagined when we were in our teenage years or in our early 20s. And we keep on finding great hope in the fact that this is not it. What you're experiencing is not the sum total of life and its existence. And God, greater than all things, has made promises to us of better things waiting for us that will last forever. Let's carry on. Verse 35, the author encouraging them, don't give up. Don't give up, you Hebrew Christians. You haven't made a mistake. Don't second guess yourself. Don't turn away from Jesus. Says to them, do not throw away this confident trust. I want you to note those two words. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue 
to do God's will. What does that mean? Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. If I had to take a page and I had to write on the top of that page what I need right now from God, I'm pretty certain that the first thing that I would write down would most certainly, definitely, never, ever in your wildest dreams be what I really need is patient endurance. What I need is persecution and suffering to teach me patient endurance so that I can do the will of God. Let me for a moment illustrate this by talking about something quite personal and quite close to our family um, in the last little season of life. And patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will is what I'm trying to illustrate. Somewhere around May or June um, last year, Esther and myself got ill. I went for a test. It came back negative. I went to see the doctor. The doctor says this is definitely COVID. Irrespective of what it was or not positive or negative or whatever, the, the net result was that I was so exhausted that I needed to sleep for 12 to 14 hours a day. So that happened for the first week, that happened for the second week, that happened for the third week, and then we had a month, and then we had two months, and then we had three months, and then we had four months. I was unable to exercise in any meaningful way without paying a huge price. I had to sleep daily, large amounts of sleep, over and above the eight or nine hours that I was getting each night. I just want you to to empathize with us for a moment, not because I want you to feel sorry for me in, in any way, shape or form. If you want to feel sorry for anyone, feel sorry for Kate. Imagine the, the impact of that on family life, trying to find time to sleep that many hours in a day and still meaningfully engage with your kids, being exhausted after work and not able to even almost pick yourself up off a couch to just play football or play cricket or do anything with your children and the disappointment that they feel and then the guilt that you feel and all of these things. Imagine being a wife in that scenario and having to pick up huge amounts of extra work and just not knowing where the end is. Now I'm telling you this not in any way for you to feel sorry for us. Quite the contrary. Actually Kate and I as as we've examined what God has been doing through through this illness and the the long effects of this illness in my life and the impact it has had on our family, we've actually become so grateful to God because it's pushed us to our knees and into a place where we've begun to to learn and relearn lessons we had forgotten about dependence on God that we had we had completely no idea what what something like this could do in our lives. Friends, I have such fresh empathy for those of you who are are, are dealing with chronic illness, whether it's mental illness or physical illness, and you have to wake up each day and face this, this monster before you. I have deep empathy in my heart. I'm praying for people in such a fresh and a new way. The point is this, I would never have chosen that in my life. We would never as a family have chosen to experience that in our lives. And yet God in his providence knows that we need to learn dependence on him. God looks in on our family and God has given us the most precious gift. I never want to go through it again, but I wouldn't for a moment wish it away. I wouldn't for a moment wish that we hadn't gone through it. Maybe you have experiences in your life just like that. And as I'm speaking about this, you reminded, oh yes, God God, you did this in my life. You reminded me in that moment. And maybe you need reminding that you've forgotten some of those deep lessons that we learn in the midst of this trial. And so God looked at our lives 
And just like these Hebrew Christians, he said, Paul and Kate, Esther, Nathan, Daniel, Joshua, Annabeth, everyone affected in our home, patient endurance is what you need now. You think you need this and that. No, no. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And we bend in submission to the will of the Father and say, thank you. Thank you. Teach us. We want to wring this thing for every lesson we can get out of it. Then, continues, you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, this is now quoting Habakkuk, who was pointing forward to Jesus. In just a little while, the coming one, capitals, will come Jesus and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. Are you beginning to see the pattern? Faithful. Keep being faithful. Confident trust. My righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away or rejects me. But we are not like those Hebrews. One hope. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. Don't turn away. Don't, don't second guess your decision to follow Jesus. We are the faithful ones. We are the faithful. The ones full of faith. Whose souls will be saved. Chapter 11 begins. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Are you seeing these links? Faith, faith, confident trust. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Now let me just give us a little clarification here that this is not a blank check. This is not saying that your whimsical, earthly, greedy whims and mine as well, that, that these things will be fulfilled because, well, we hope for them. And so God is promising us that what we hope for will actually happen. No, this is talking about salvation. This is talking about the promises of God over our lives and through scripture fulfilled. This is talking about the better things being that will last forever that he spoke about earlier on or she spoke about earlier on in this Hebrews text. And faith is the confidence that those God things, those heavenly things, those heaven on earth now things will happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Assurances I know, remind me again, assure me again. We know, we can't prove it, but we know that things, we have an assurance about things that we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we cannot see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, if you are exploring Christianity today and you joining us, I just want to say welcome. And I want to say I'm so excited that you are. But I also want to, I want to tell you that if you're not a Christ follower and you're wondering, is there truth to Christianity? Can you figure it out? This is the point you will reach. Every one of us had to reach this point where we don't encourage anybody to check their brains out at the door. We encourage reason. We encourage thinking. We encourage science. But you cannot reach ultimately faith in God by nature of that phrase through reason. You cannot through intellect cross 
every T, dot every I and reach a reasoned place where you say, right, I've now had all the evidence presented to me and I therefore now accept the evidence. It is not an acceptance of the evidence, although there is overwhelming evidence for God and there's incredible amounts of science which point to God. But what the point I'm making here is that Christianity always and only eventually boils down to faith and it's inescapable so as we read this text in hebrews faith 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 is pounding through every line this is what the christian life looks like this is what coming to god this what it looks like and this is the characteristic of our relationship to god this is the the characteristic of it faith trust assurance confident trust hope that it will actually happen words like confidence all of these words are straight out of the text that we've just been studying together now where does that leave us well last year you probably got tired of hearing the phrase expect more expect more expect more it was what we believed god had spoken to us and and particularly from the book of kings and there's the story of elisha and this israelite king called joash and elisha is on his last legs he's about to die and he says and he there's this there's this prophetic reenactment or a prophetic enactment and he says to joash shoot out the window and joash shoots this arrow and elisha says to him so is god going to give you victory over your enemies God's going to destroy your enemies and it's like this this should be this like wow it's incredible praise God moment and then in the continuation of the enactment Elisha says to Joash take these arrows and hit them on the ground and Joash feebly knocks them on the ground three times knock 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 and Elisha is angry with him and he says why didn't you be full of faith and hit the ground over and over and over and over again until you were sure that God would have given you victory over all your enemies now Elisha says God's only going to give you victory three times and we used that as a launch pad last year to speak about how God was speaking to us as an eldership and as a leadership around having more faith expecting God to do more believing that God wants wanted to do more and God rebuking our faithless approach to Christian life and to church life. And so I want to ask you at the start of this year, is that true? Have you grown in your faith this year? Have I grown in my faith in the past year? I want to remind you that we believe strongly and we said this so clearly many times last year that it wasn't just a one-year 2020 vision but actually it was God coming in and doing a huge correction of the ship of the One Hope ship and saying guys I actually want you to, to stop living faithlessly and to trust me for more in every aspect and so last year we felt specifically while that story is, is telling us about faith, that we were to have faith that God wanted to use one hope is to bring people into his kingdom, to come alongside the story and the journey that he's already on and to say, God, we want to be part of seeing people come to faith. And we saw that. We saw mothers come, mothers of people in our congregation come to know Jesus. We saw businessmen and women put their faith in Jesus. We saw students, we saw young adults come to Jesus. We saw 130 people who have 
never been to One Hope, sign up to Do Alpha as our guests online. We saw more than 70 One Hopers begin groups and some of those were wonderful and some of them were difficult and some of us had disappointments along the way and, and the whole journey. But, but I want to just say this is a work of the Spirit in our midst. God was saying, I want you to expect more. I want you to have faith. And we were doing everything we could to position ourselves and say, teach us God. We want to. We want to have faith. Now, as I've sought the Lord and as, as our leaders have been seeking God for 2021, I'm confident that He's continuing to speak the same words over us. I have so much more for you. I want you to learn to trust me so much more. I want you to have faith like we've been talking about out of Hebrews. I want you to have faith in increasing measure. Does this resonate with you like it, like it resonates in my heart? I find myself looking into my life and there's so many areas where I wish I had more faith. There's so many areas where even I look back in my childhood and I think I used to have that faith. I used to have this childlike faith. And now I find myself staring down the twin barrel of doubt and cynicism. Maybe it's just me. And so I want to ask that while we are committed to not giving up ground... On evangelism, I feel like there's other areas where God wants to stir our faith this year. In week one, Bates was speaking about the, the toughest race and he asked this really provocative question. And I hope you had time to, to process and, and really took it seriously and thought about it. But if you could guarantee one thing this year was the question, what would it be? And I knew instantly because I've been grappling with a very similar question. I've been grappling with the question of if I could trade 2021 for one thing in my life, what would it be? And that the answer for me personally would be prayer. I've, I'm longing to grow in prayer and to learn how to pray like I've never prayed before. And I feel like I learned so much in 2020 and my family learned so much in 2020 about what that looks like and dependence on God in prayer. But it just feels like I'm scratching the surface and I want so much more. And so a lot of our emphasis throughout this year, 2021, is going to be focusing around prayer and God giving us fresh faith to pray. Now, what, what's the link between faith and prayer? Well, let me close off by, by helping us understand this. Prayer, at its core, is a tremendous act of faith. I want you to think about this. You are, when you pray, communicating communing with, being in relationship with an invisible being. And I'm going to give you four reasons and I encourage you to write these down because I'm going to ask you to engage with them this week. But I'm going to give you four reasons why prayer is at its core such a tremendous act of faith. And each of these reasons build one upon the other. The first reason is this. You must believe that there is a God. That's why prayer is such a tremendous act of faith. Right there, as you say, we must believe. To pray, you must believe that God actually exists. If we look at the landscape of the Western world in particular, the funnel just got a whole lot smaller as to who will actually go into that funnel willingly and say, yes, I believe that there is a God. The second reason why prayer is such a tremendous act of faith is not only that you have to believe that there's a God, but you have to believe that there is a God who's actually able 
to hear you. Who when you pray, you're not just praying to the ceiling or praying into the air. I mean, just think about the act of prayer. Just think about those who don't understand prayer or who don't subscribe to God, if you can subscribe to God. Praying or talking to yourself is a clear sign of delusion. When you see someone walking about in the garden muttering to themselves, it's, it's the stage where you begin to, to wonder whether it's time to put mom and dad in the home. Right? It's a clear sign of, of going mad. Or you think, you know, with derision and scorn, you know, these people are the weak people. They're the desperate people. They're the people who just can't cope with real life or can't cope with what the business life or the stress has, has thrown at them. And so they, in whatever situation they're in or the emergency that they're facing, they've got to reach out to this other being because they can't really cope on their own. And so prayer is a tremendous act of faith because you have to believe that God actually hears you. Thirdly, you have to have faith or you have to believe that not only is he God, that he exists, not only does he hear you, but that when he hears you, he's good. And he cares about who you are, what you're praying about, the situations you're facing, the, the emotional state of your life, and, and all of these things. And each time we go through one of these points, the funnel just gets increasingly smaller, right? You have to believe that God exists. You've got to believe that he hears you and you've got to believe that he's good and that he wants to hear you and cares about you. And this is really a question of theology, who you believe God is. And all of us are theologians. Not one of us doesn't have opinions on who God is. Some of us are just good theologians and some of us are bad theologians. We have a bad understanding of who God is. That's the third reason why faith while prayer is a tremendous act of faith. And the last one is this, that you can believe that God exists. You can believe that you can hear you. You can even believe that he is good and, and kind and wants to help. But you might believe that he's not powerful enough or willing to help. And so the fourth thing is that we must believe that he is willing and able and powerful enough to act on our behalf. That my prayers actually reach God who in his power changes things here on earth. He must be powerful enough to actually act. Can you, can you see why prayer is such a tremendous act of faith? And so this week, here's my encouragement to you. Every time we turn to the series, every time we study the word of God, what you put in is what you're going to get out. So you can opt in lightly and just sign in on a Sunday or occasional Sundays when the, you, know, you don't go to the beach and just watch occasionally. You're not going to get that much out of it. But if you opt in, this is a first opt in moment for you. I'm encouraging you in your times this week, in your lunch break, in your morning, wherever, engage with this passage of scripture and think about it. Think about it. I want to encourage you to read the whole of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter on faith. Read it. It's, it's exquisite. When the author says, I don't have time to tell you about so-and-so and so-and-so and the great acts they did. And God did these powerful things. But others of them had such a different experience. They suffered in terrible ways. And yet all of them were clinging to this coming promise, which we now live in, by the way. We live in the promise that all these people in Hebrews 11 were holding on for. We live in that promise. That's what I want to ask you to do this week. And then I want to ask you to take each of these four points and truthfully, honestly assess your lives. 
assess your prayer life, assess your faith and ask yourself, what do I actually believe? How is, what are the levels of my faith like in my life? Where is it strong? Where is it weak? Let me give you a, a little example to help. Maybe you believe that he really exists. You believe that with all your heart, but you struggle with the goodness of God. Maybe you've had some experiences which have left you jaded. You thought that God would do this and, and God actually only did this in your mind. And so that gap, that's disappointment. That's sadness. And so you struggle with the goodness of God. Or maybe you believe that he's good, but you struggle to believe that he's actually powerful because you know he's good, but you prayed for someone to get better and they, they didn't. They died. And so then you think, well, God, I, I trust that you're good, I think, but... Maybe you're not all that powerful. Maybe you don't actually want to act on our behalf. And so I ask you just to do a really honest audit in your lives this week. Friends, next week we're going to be talking about prayer again. We're going to be talking out of Hebrews as well. We're going to be talking about confidence and cynicism. Prayer, confidence and cynicism. We'll see you there. Let me pray for us just as we close. Father, as we talk about prayer, as we talk about faith, I want to ask that you would stir our hearts so deeply to actually pray, to actually have a growing faith in our hearts. We don't want to just hear and just understand and just make sure we could pass the test if we had to write an intellectual test around what prayer is or how to pray or, or how to have faith. Lord, we want it to be living and active inside of us and we, we can look at our lives and I can see it in my own life, so much deficit and we ask you to come and help us in the name of Jesus. For those who don't have faith in you yet, who don't follow you, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful and meaningful way that they would know, like the writer says here in Hebrews, have an assurance, a deep assurance, a confidence, a confident trust that you are who you say you are and that they would follow you with all their hearts and joy would explode and certainty would explode inside of their hearts. We ask these things in the precious and wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We see you soon.